Amen. Please be seated. We turn again together to Genesis. We come now to chapter 2, but we are still in the first week of God's creation, the first days of His creation. Now we come to day 7. It's true that the climax to God's creative work might be found in verse 27 of the first chapter where he creates mankind in his image. In his likeness, he creates male and female. That's the linguistic high point of the passage that really stands out from all the rest of creation is the creation of man, the the culmination or the crown of his creation, mankind in his image, made male and female to spread out over the earth, to subdue the earth, uh, to be his vice regents over um, all of his creation. It's true that that would be the high point of the the text linguistically, but I want to point out that the culmination of the story happens now. Uh, The end point of the story that really is on this high lofty moment where you have God resting. And now this rest that God carries out has ramifications for the immediate, what happens after, lays a foundation for the future of the biblical text and what unfolds from this point and then into eternity. So it's not a small matter. We sometimes pass over it quickly and think of it only in terms of how it might relate to the Sabbath that's mentioned in the law and then we think of Sabbath rest or the Sabbath day. There's much more there for us as you might imagine. And here is this high point of the finishing of this creation of God and God rests. So here as I read, I'll start at the last verse of the first chapter. This is one of those places where the chapter divisions don't help us with the flow of the story. You probably know they were added later so that we could find our place in the scripture, but here's a case where the flow should not be interrupted. So I start at verse 31 of chapter 1, and I read to verse 3 of chapter 2. This is God's holy, inspired, and inerrant, and therefore authoritative word. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, And made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Please bow with me as I lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Please give us your Holy Spirit's help so that we might understand what you have said and how we should live accordingly. I pray this through Christ. Amen. We come to the seventh day of creation. In the prior six days, I know you have recognized, as I read from the sixth day in this verse 31, Moses marks the end of each day with the refrain, there was evening and there was morning. Every time he lays out a day, says what happens in the day, then there was evening and there was morning, the first day, the second day, all the way to the sixth day. Then we come to the seventh day, which begins at dawn, evening and morning, the sixth day, and now dawn. And the dawning of a new day is the seventh day. The seventh day begins with dawn, and it's the beginning of a day that never has a marked end, at least not for God. We understand that there is a marked end for 
man each day as a day comes and goes, and there's a seventh day for us. But this is God's Sabbath here. This is not our Sabbath noted. Our Sabbath is drawn from this. We'll see how that connects. But what we have here is God's Sabbath, and that day has never ended. He has rested from his work of creation. It's the dawning of his rest when this occurs. Now, God's rest from creation or from creating should not be confused with our need for rest when we get tired. This is not a rest for restoration or for recovery. This is a ceasing to do a certain work, in this case, the work of creation. On it, verse 3, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. After his work of creation, it's the dawning of his rest. This is a ceasing to do a certain work. He ceases because it is finished, and he is satisfied with what he has created. He has created the heavens and the earth. He has created the universe as his stage. It's his theater to manifest his glory in a way that had not previously been displayed. God forms the setting for what he will do. He sets the earth in particular place, showing special attention to the creation of the earth in its forming and its filling. He populates it. Then, to give earth order and management according to his will, places his hand upon it by creating mankind. Mankind for the express purpose of exercising dominion over the earth on his behalf as his vice regents. Mankind supposed to spread out all over the earth and do this work. And God saw, verse 3, everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Verse 31. He says it's all good. What is good? What he has created. This balance, this beautiful stage that's prepared for what he'll manifest concerning himself. Full display of his glory is going to happen. Everything is finished, just as he's designed and desired, By the end of the sixth day and the seventh day, he rests from his creative work. It's done. It's finished. It reminds me a little bit of a person I knew when I was living in St. Louis a long time ago. They had worked for a long time in their life to prepare a property and a house on that property for when they retired. Um, So they spent most of their off time for the several years before they retired working on building this house. It was a beautiful house, handcrafted. Uh, He was looking forward to that time when he could provide it. His family was all over the country. And by providing this place, almost like a retreat center, that's what the house looked like and the land it was on. And he handcrafted much of what was built around it, inside of it, the trimmings, everything. After he formed the house, right before he retired, about a year before, he started filling it with the various appliances and the trimmings and the things that you would put in it, um, the furnishings. It was beautiful. Every bit of it had some personal touch to it. And he took his time and slowly but surely really perfected this place. And he had a retirement party. And then it wasn't long after that he occupied, he and his family, his wife and him, the only ones living uh, together at that time, but his whole family came to celebrate the finishing of this house. And he came into the house. He was done building it now. And now all he did is absorb all that was there. This stage he had set for his family to come back to time and time again. He had six kids with multiple grandkids, and it's almost never a weekend where they weren't filled up in that house to visit their grandparents and spend time as a family. 
and enjoy the furnishings, enjoy the property, enjoy the house. It was a stage that he had set for just that purpose so that life could be lived out and they could share with one another. It was a beautiful scene of contentment and peace. He wasn't building it anymore. It was done. Now its purpose was to be lived in. And that's what we have with God resting. He's prepared the universe to display his glory. It's just like he wants it. And now he rests from that creative work. Sort of like a king taking his throne now that the palace has been finished. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. Verse 1 of chapter 2. And all the host of them, it's all done. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Klein said very well that the dawning of the Sabbath witnesses a new enthronement of God. Further, creation produced a new theater for the manifestation of God's eternal majesty. And when the heavenly throne and the earthly footstool had been prepared, God assumed his rightful royal place in that new sphere. Verse 2, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Studying this and reading this over and over this week kept drawing my attention to a passage somewhat unrelated, but it manifests the sense of this. Romans 11.36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. God rested. The original rest was something that mankind was designed to participate in. Um, we were part of that balance mankind was that God looked at and said, it's good. It's the way I've designed it. This is the way I desired it. God's rest was participated in by mankind at creation at some level. We participated in that in some way before sin entered and changed this balance. But God looked at it in that state, the original state, and that this is very good. And we Mankind had some part in that. The original rest of God, he still continues in his rest, if you will. But we no longer participate in that in the way that we did at first. Something has to be done for us to enter that rest again. But that's the longing we have. That's ultimately what we're looking for. This original rest that we participated in, it was a type of the rest that was lost but now at the fall, but now we look forward to in its restoration through Christ. We'll see that as the fulfillment of what Genesis lays down. I named the sermon series Foundations and Generations, and I don't always mean too much by the titles. John asked me for them for the website. But in this case, Foundations and Generations, it's very purposeful. It lays foundations in Genesis for everything else that happens in the Bible. The whole of the story of God's work of salvation and redemption flows from the foundations he lays at this first chapter, these first books, or these first chapters especially, chapters 1 through 11. Foundations and then the generations that play it out. First, what is meant by God resting? This is difficult for us to immediately understand because of what we think of when rest comes up. Look at the passage. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested. Verse 3, he blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it God rested. From what? From all his work that he had done in creation. The better translation, although most of the translators don't use it, would be ceased in this. He ceased from all his work that he had done in creation. 
For us, the word rest would mean restoration or mean recuperation. It would have something to do with being um, refreshed from our labors because we were fatigued or because we were tired. But in this case, God rested in that he ceased from one aspect of what he did, his creative work. He ceased from creating. In this way, he rested. His work of creation was completed. He rested from it now. No more need to tweak it or change it or look back and say, there's something I've got to fix. It's done. And he is through with that aspect of his work, his creative work. His rest is not because he was fatigued. He stopped creating because he was satisfied with it and it was finished. It says, God finished his work that he had done. This is a rest of achievement, not of inactivity to recoup, to start up and do something more. God resting doesn't mean that he closed his eyes and went to sleep. It doesn't mean that he took a break from watching over the earth because he was so tired from doing this work of creating. Reminds me a little bit of an experience I had this week at a fast food place. And I don't blame the young guy because I was there once. I worked at a place just like it. But I walked up and he was standing at the register, looked full like he was ready to take an order. And I started giving the order. He says, wait, I'm on break. But, okay, God never does that. God never says, I'm on break. That's not what this means, that God rested. I'm on break, so I'm not doing anything. I can't help you now. That's not what it means at all. God was very active. Now he's resting in that creative activity because that task was done. You know, it's interesting, multiple times in Jesus' ministry, the Pharisees tried to uh, trip him up for doing work on the Sabbath. Now, that's the Sabbath God's created for man. This isn't God's Sabbath, as we're studying here in Genesis, but he would say to, they would say to Jesus, you can't heal that person. You can't do this or you can't do that to help people. And this isn't the point of the Sabbath that was made for man either. And Jesus says something interesting that tells us about how God works. In John 5, verse 16 and 17, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things, his healings and such, his miracles on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I am working. God, the Father doesn't stop working insofar as his providence and his uphold. Thankfully, he's always upholding everything by the word of his power. But as it relates to his creation, he finished and he rested from it. He ceased from doing it any longer. Calvin said, Inasmuch as God sustains the world by his power, governs it by his providence, cherishes and even propagates all creatures, he is constantly at work. So God's Sabbath rest is not a rest of pure inactivity. He is not immobilized in his Sabbath rest. It is a resting from his creative works because he was so satisfied in their finished state. It's a satisfying halt to creative activity so as to pause and look at all he had made with satisfaction. Creation was effortless for God. He spoke it into existence. He didn't need to rest or recuperate. One commentator says, well, that the Creator's Sabbath rest is much more a matter of taking satisfaction and delight in his consummated building. The stage was set for all that he would do. The dawning of God's rest witnesses a new enthroning of God over it all. A new stage for him to show his glory that wasn't previously there. Now, it would do well for us to pause and connect this to what we know about 
the rest of the Sabbath taught in Scripture, at least touch on it so we can appreciate the practical connection, because I think you'll see it as a great blessing when you recognize how it flows from God's creation Sabbath, the Sabbath we're called to consider and look forward to in ultimate sense, experience in some temporal way, but look forward to in its ultimate sense, to share with God again as we once did, mankind once did, in original creation. You'll see that there's a work-rest rhythm that flows from the book of Genesis from creation. In verse 2, the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. He rested from all that he had done. A creation Sabbath. Six days of labor are set up as a pattern now that we see flow out in the rest of the Old Testament into the new. Six days of labor, one day of rest. A special pattern for mankind. Now, the entrance of sin into the world through Adam caused that initial, that original, very good creation to be thrown out of balance because of man's inability to do his part to subdue the earth, to exercise dominion. It, it messes that up, and there's restlessness that starts for mankind and for creation. Because of sin, our labor is stretched and strained now. Because of sin, we no longer have the pre-fall capacity to manage the earth and subdue it like we, we could at creation. We'll work and we'll work and we'll work and we'll still have a feeling of dissatisfaction. Because of sin, the creation balance is messed up. A true sense of rest in this life is elusive. And that's because of the disruption to the creational balance that sin has wrought. We have to recognize it and acknowledge it to be the case. There's something permanent, though, brought to day seven that we shouldn't miss, something that extends to bless us. Look at verse three. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Notice two things that God does to the seventh day. He blessed it and he made it holy. When God blesses something, that means that he takes pleasure in it. It means that it has a special significance because God gives it that significance. It's a special day because of what was accomplished beforehand by God. It's a day of reflection, of finality, of even celebration of the stage being set so perfectly by God. And he blessed that day, that one day in seven. He made it spiritually fruitful, a day of acknowledgement of God's kingship. This one day in seven marks the completion of God's good creation. So it's a special day, a fruitful day, where we enjoy the results of God's creative works. Something else, he made it holy. That means he set it apart. He sanctified it. He marked it out. He hallowed it. He distinguished it from the other six days. It's to be a special day, a special epic or period of reflection and consideration. God makes this one day in seven a respite for humanity that harkens back to his Sabbath. God allows mankind to tap into his Sabbath for one day a week in some fashion or form. Rest means a settlement from the agitation that we have in our lives. And it settles us out from that agitation and that movement. And it includes the enjoyment of an environment of stability and surety about who is the sovereign king and ruler of it all. We have to have that time to reflect and realize again so we're set right for the whole of the six days 
that we are about the things we're called to. We are naturally, this side of the fall, a very restless people. Our lives are restless with constant pace, change, transition. We experience unrest, discontent, anxiety that comes. And you know, in the Old Testament, there's no greater picture of restlessness than Israel. Remember, Israel receives Genesis as the first audience. And so Moses is writing, at least at first level, to give them a recalibration about who they are as the people of God, to set them up for what God was going to call them to. But what we see them called to throughout their life and throughout their existence is, is restlessness as they strive against God by not obeying him. They don't rest in him like he calls them to. And then they find themselves restless with the nations. As God calls them to, to take nations, they don't do as God tells them exactly, and they're always seeming to be restless. One of the great longings is for rest. Remember Jacob running from Esau, the picture of restlessness and worry and anxiety. When will I meet Esau? That's just a picture of what happens throughout Israel's existence. One of the great longings of Joshua was to have rest from all the wars of Israel. Israel wanted rest from their enemies. This would be the promise to them over and over to God, from God. One of the great pictures of this is with King David, the man of war who was uh, used by God to do much in the way of subduing the nations so that they could establish their presence. And here's David looking forward to seeing a house built for God because now he had some rest and he looked to building the temple. Rest gave him focus on what is most important. In 2 Samuel 7, Now when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies. What happens when we have rest? The king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in the house of cedar. He's had time to, to think about, to slow down. But the ark of God dwells in a tent. Now his priorities go right. And Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Go build the temple. When he rested, he had opportunity to see who the king is and how is it that I'm in a house and the king doesn't have his temple. In a moment of rest, it was David's heart, in David's heart to build a temple to the Lord. In times of rest, we tap in to the Sabbath rest of God who is the king. And we pause and want him to receive glory when we rest. That's what rest will do. It will refocus us on the kingship of our God. In verse 3 of Genesis 2, God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So when we come to Mount Sinai and God gives his law to his people, one of the key features is this Sabbath rest that they must partake in. They need to have this rest so that they can pause and see who is God. If they don't take this rest, they'll forget who God is and they'll continue in their strivings and try to make it for themselves and they'll think they can make it themselves and they'll come against frustration and anxiety and insecurity and instability. And he says, in Exodus 20, as part of his commandments, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, no, do not do any work, you or your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, and so forth. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. The Lord rested with satisfaction, demonstrating this is my universe in my throne, in my theater to show and manifest to the people of God. You must rest to recognize God as the king of it all. 
The creation Sabbath of God becomes the basis for the Sabbath given to his people under Moses. The Sabbath of Moses was meant to give people pause from the restlessness that defined their lives and, and has defined it ever since. The Sabbath of Moses tapped into God's creation Sabbath so as to reset the mindset of God's people. And unlike God, we as created beings striving to survive this side of the fall of Adam, we need physical and mental rest from our labors, this side of final rest, so we can sense the true rest that we have in our King, in our Savior. We need a time to contemplate the goodness of God. We need time to draw upon God's strength so that we can continue in our labors. The Sabbath that God calls for in Exodus 20 is meant to tap into the Sabbath of God. Kent Hughes said, well, this blessed and holy day has no end. There's no morning and evening in this day seven in Genesis 2. It has existed from the completion of creation and still is. God still rests after the great event. But we don't. We struggle with rest. Ultimately, the Sabbath prescribed for man is meant to do something much greater than give temporal restoration and focus. The weekly Sabbath was something we could never fulfill. As part of the law, we always, it's the true reflection of God's great glory, but Israel failed miserably at it as we would if we tried to keep it for any kind of merit. It points us to the one who rests for us and who in whom we find our rest, who keeps God's Sabbath just as he prescribed. The great genius of the law that God gives. Ultimately, we look forward to entering this rest afresh. The rest at initial creation, but now in fulfilled, consummated sense through our Savior Christ. Genesis lays the foundation for who we recognize as our second Adam, that we find ourselves in, and we participate in this rest. Now, this may seem high and lofty and disconnected in some way in your mind, or it's a, this could not be more practical. Listen to what this means for us. We find our ultimate rest through Christ. In our text, the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested. Blessed it, made it holy, because he rested. In humankind's pre-fall state, people joined in God's Sabbath when creation was completed. Mankind was made to participate in this work of God, and it contributed to the satisfaction of God. They have man in his place doing what he was supposed to do, to fulfill God's purpose as his vice regent. Now, part of what God was satisfied with was our ability to manage this creation. But after the fall, we gave up our capacity to fulfill this purpose. We entered striving and restlessness. Work became toil. It became, we became anxious and worried that we wouldn't be able to survive. We have to work more because we won't have enough. We left God's rest. So how do we re-enter rest? Augustine said very famously and practically that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. So God commits, as Scripture reveals, to sending a second Adam through whom we could find that rest that we lost and longed for. Rest in Christ. Rest in this life through Christ. With ultimate rest still coming. We strive to enter God's rest. Remember, rest here. We're not talking about sleeping, inactivity. Rest in Christ for this. Think of it this way. God did the work of creation and he rested. On the seventh day, God finished his work and he, 
that he had done. He finished his work. We originally participated in that rest, but lost it through sin. So, God did another work, but not one of creation this time. He's done with creation. The work of redemption through Christ. This is why Jesus says when he's on the cross, when they had given him sour wine, he said, it is finished. What? The work of redemption. It was finished. It says in Genesis chapter 2 that he had finished his work of creation and rested. It says in John 19, Jesus gave his life and said, it is finished. What? The work of, cre- work of redemption. And in Hebrews, it describes Jesus' work. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, what did he do? He rested. He sat down at the right hand of God. He did his work, completed it, and he rested, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he had perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. In Hebrews 12, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated, resting at the right hand of the, of the throne of God. You will find your rest in Christ. And you can find some of it now. It won't be complete until glory. We long for that final rest. But even now, in all your strivings, in all your struggles, in your anxieties, in your worries, you can find real rest in Christ, whose finished work was received by God, and he is seated. He finished the work, and he's resting. Jesus came to offer you rest from your striving. He came offering peace with God through the forgiveness of your sins that allows you to rest. This is why Jesus said in John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Sometimes I think we, we read that passage and think, oh, he went to make you know hotel rooms for us to sleep in. No, rooms in antiquity, that meant you had a place to live in. He went to make a place for us to live in peace. This is a picture of that eternal state of rest that we have. Not in activity. He says, I will come again to take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus said elsewhere in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Anyone laboring and heavy laden? Because he says to you, I will give you rest. James Boyce said that this is the destiny of those who are God's people, to rest as God rests, to rest in him. To finish, I want you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4 for a moment. You can look it up on your phone. I know it's easy to find on your phone. Hebrews 4 and go. Or in your pew Bible. I want you, as we close this consideration of Genesis 2, to hear what Hebrews 4 says. The backdrop for Hebrews 4, after God had delivered Israel from bondage in Egypt, they showed their unbelief, and they were not allowed to enter the promised land, which was supposed to be their place of rest, rest from their slavery and their sin and all that had come before. Now they would rest in the promised land. Instead, they wandered aimlessly in the wilderness for 40 years. They wandered in a state of restlessness. This is a picture of our wandering, of wandering in general for our sin, the restlessness that comes with it. So God promises rest 
afresh as described in Hebrews 4. Hear what it says. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listen. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If you are restless, if you are striving, if you're trying to make your way to God, rest in Christ. Listen and be saved. Don't harden your hearts. Believe on Christ because he gives you this rest. This is how you have real rest. There is no other way. For if Joshua, verse 8 of Hebrews 4, had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. He made all the creatures. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who we must give account. Verse 14. Since then, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Brothers and sisters, let us rest in Christ. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he had rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. May this day be a day of rest and gladness for you as you contemplate again, slow down from everything else that's happening, and think afresh on the one who has purchased you eternal rest, part of what you can sense now, in all of which you look forward to in its fullest sense, that will embody something more than I could come up with words to share with you. Let's pray. Father, your work of creation manifests your glory. It sets the stage for this glorious redemption that you have played out before our eyes and recorded in your word. Your rest manifests your sovereignty and your rule. We long for that ultimate consummated rest that we'll experience in Christ. Lord, may all here gathered rest in Christ so that we might experience that complete rest in you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's together respond by turning in our hymnals.
So we also prepare for the Lord's Supper to 300 